Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi there. I'm uh, Dr. Mark Cruz, CEO of New Pacific Metals. And we are focused on exploration and development of silver uh, projects in Bolivia, South America. Our key project is the Silver Sand uh, uh, deposit, um, 150 million ounces contained, uh, measured and indicated, and another 35 million ounces of inferred. The deposit remains open for expansion, and we currently have a uh, 40,000 meter uh, expansion drill program in progress. Brilliant, Mark. Lovely to meet you, and thanks for joining us. Uh, you're down in Denver, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm currently at the uh, Beaver Creek Show and on the way to uh, Precious Metals um, in, yeah. Yeah, down south. Are people excited to be back, actually shaking hands and talking to a real live human. It's awesome. It really is. It's you know, it does actually make a big difference. Hey, listen, great to be chatting to you virtually, but um, you know, that face-to-face uh, interface is um, it, it just is it's an extra level. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's one of the better conferences, and so is next week as well, actually, for that matter too. And um, well, Mark, I appreciate coming on because it's a, it's a new story, it's a silver story, which I think you know your kind of breakout year was sort of 2019 and so you carry that through into 2020. This year, precious metals come off a bit, uh, but nevertheless, uh, you're, you're going to, I assume, tell me today that silver's got a great future. Listen, uh, longer term, we've got a brand new discovery, um, biggest one in um, Bolivia in the last 30 years, one of the biggest ones globally in the last decade, and it's still open. Um, so, you know, we take a long-term view in the business. Um, it's not a quarter-to-quarter basis. Um, in the end of the day, it's, it's deep value creation. That's what we're doing. Um, and we're fortunate. We've got very large um, corporate shareholders and we're well-funded. So, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, it's keeping our eye on the prize. So, yeah. So to, to a certain extent, um, we're just getting on what we can do de-risk the project, add value, and see where we go from there. Okay, so Bolivia. Now, not too many people are familiar with Bolivia. We've had one or two companies come on and, and talk about it. But um, given the kind of reporting that's been going on with various elections in you know, Peru, Chile, Ecuador, um, it, it's all socialism, tax hikes, and the rest. What's Bolivia like? Yeah, it, it is interesting. And full disclosure, it's my first time working in Bolivia, but um, I've discovered built mines in Peru, worked in Chile, Argentina, etc. So I'm very familiar with the, the you know global district, I guess, um, in the broad sense. Um, but actually, it's what's quite interesting is Bolivia went through its kind of populist socialist phase about 10, 15 years ago uh, with Evo Morales. Um, but um, probably in the last five, 10 years, it's actually been moving more to the center. Um, you know, a lot of investment on the back of gas revenues over that period. So infrastructure is great where we're working, you know, roads, power, cell phone towers everywhere. And um, certainly for me, the last time I was like, that was when I was working in, in Northern Scandinavia. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's all actually awesome. Um, but because of that is the new president is the former uh, minister of the economy and they're pushing foreign investment. So actually the, uh, you know, discussions you're having with the government is, is completely opposite to that. They need foreign investment in the economy, in all sectors, and mining is a big part of it, and so very stable. So unlike Peru or Chile, uh, we're talking about increasing tax revenue and everything else, and they're actually dropping tax revenue. So, uh, for example, just recently Congress passed, um, you know, uh, zero VAT on heavy equipment imports to, um, you know, push industry. So, um yeah, from my perspective, very stable. Um, the president got in a, a majority vote, and um, so controls both houses, the political party mass. 
Um, so um, yeah, and pushing that um, pro pro investment um, basically background. So it's uh, it's actually quite uh, refreshing to be honest. Right. So uh, they they welcome foreign investments and money coming in. Are they making it easy to get the money out when you get to that point? Certainly, no no issues. Nay, you know, there's no you know normal withholding taxes which you you'd see globally. But uh, apart from that, um, no major uh, challenges whatsoever. No, it's it's, it's quite. Um, yeah, like I said, quite refreshing. And I think, to be honest, um, what they've seen is, you know, they've probably been through that, um, you know, Peruvian and perhaps Chilean, you know, anti-foreign investment, perhaps, um, you know, let, let's put it that way. That, that's been 15 years ago. They've been through there. They've been there. And then they've been at the other side and it didn't work great. Um, so certainly... And there's been a lot of major discoveries in all the adjacent countries and the geology doesn't stop at borders. So I think they're saying, OK, this is their window. Let's get, you know, foreign investment in there. All these big mining companies build that base support. So um, if anything, they're going the opposite direction and making things easier, which which is, again, nice. And um, what, with regards to obviously COVID, I think a lot of companies have been factored in different ways, whether it be exploration development or, or production companies. Um, has it been for you there? Oh, listen, we've lost, well, to be honest, close to 12 months, and um, we took a very conservative uh, opinion. And um, certainly we didn't want to be seen as, you know, the company introducing COVID, you know, per se in, into the local communities. So we, we locked things down hard and Bolivia in fairness did as well. So certainly, you know, from their base level, uh, certainly managed it a lot better than, than Peru or Chile, for example. Um, but um, nonetheless, we lost about 12 months. And we're fully, you know, fully operational at this point in time and, um, you know, pushing, pushing hard with a big, you know, 40,000 meter uh, drill expansion program. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of lost time, but I think we'll make up some of that between now and the end of the year. Right. So, so was I wrong in uh, attributing the sort of the, the, the drop from the highs of like the end of the 2021 era? You know, up around you know high nines, almost 10, 10 bucks. Right. And we're, you know, we're sort of back down now around around five. Am I wrong in attributing that to the precious metal market coming off, or is part of that the fact that you've been restricted in your ability to do business in country? No, I, well, I suspect it's probably a combination of both. To be honest, and you know, it's probably a better better question for shareholders. But um, end of the day, um, yeah, we listen. We we lost about twelve months. We'd no news flow coming through. So you know, you, you know, day to day, you live by what what you can deliver. Um, you know, for the most part, and then overall, the whole sector got sold down. But really. You know, like I said, long term, uh, which is how we run the business and uh, not day today, we're, we're quite comfortable where we are. Um, why are we quite comfortable where we are? And um, listen, we're sitting on, um, you know, close to $47 million US. And we've got two major corporate shareholders, uh, you know, which are big silver producers, uh, Silver Corp Metals and Pan American Silver, you know, the world's largest silver producer. And uh, we've got a great, you know, exploration uh, expansion program at the moment. So I think, listen, there was a lack of news flow, you know, uh, well, you weren't drilling, you weren't doing any work or limited work, to be honest. So that, that's certainly resolved. Um, and what's exciting for us is, um, you know, it looks like we've got our hands around a brand new discovery. We've got a big, uh, you know, uh, internal, well, uh, report going on and um, for the PEA that will be out in Q1 of next year. So I think um, between now and the end of the year into H1 of the next year, uh, 2022, there should be a, a lot more news flow and, um, you know, quietly anticipating that will be positive and useful. Well, see, it's a very interesting time. So, you know, different companies react in different ways, you know, because of the restrictions around COVID. A lot of, you, you say, oh, not a lot of news flow, but you, you went about creating moments that you could report on, like NYSE listing, right? 
uh, you know, you're donating shares to was the St. Paul's Foundation. You know, you, you've got to find ways to kind of stay relevant in in quite tricky times. And it's always a, it's quite a good insight into the mind of the management team as to what they choose to focus on. Can I ask you though, was the timing of the of the New York listing right? Should, should you have like, withheld that or done it earlier? Because the reaction wasn't hasn't really been meaningful, has it? Yeah, listen, uh, oh, you know, well, timing of, you know, getting permits and everything else, true, with COVID, everything was screwed up. Let's let's be blunt about it, you know, so people weren't working or whatever else. So, you know, like I said, certainly the management team, this will be my sixth mine, you know, touch wood, yeah, when it goes through. We've been there, we've done that. Listen, in the end of the day, it's, it's not day-to-day stuff. Um, it's, it's, you know, long-term value creation. Something, you know, sometimes things take time uh, and we get that. But, um, you know, listen, we have to manage the business as best we can. And that's our job or that's what I get paid for. Um, it's not a week to week basis. I think, you know, we just give positive news, well, up, updates and whatever, and the market will react whatever way they want. But um, end of the day, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's mining. It's long term. It's, it's not, you know, yeah, week to week. Good. My kind of guy. Because we, 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 we've had this kind of um, discussion with regards to some of the promotional stories which are bouncing around the market last year. It was easy for anyone with any kind of asset to get funded, and some which shouldn't did. This year, it's got to be about fundamentals, right? So I am one hundred percent agreement with you. So let, let's let, let's kind of dig into that then. So first of all, you've done you've built six mines. You just said so. Tell me a little bit about your background and maybe the teams as well. Yeah, listen. Originally, I'm, I'm an exploration geo, uh, Irish, uh, well, Canadian, Irish Canadian citizen. Um, but really, I started my career with Anglo American. Um, was fortunate enough as a junior uh, geo to be involved with a discovery for them, the Lachine Mine in Ireland, uh, seventh largest zinc mine in the world. And um, so kind of took that as part of the team from discovery drilling right the way through production. Uh, worked pretty much globally for Anglo. I uh, was under uh, copper zinc specialists and uh, moved to Canada, ran everything from the north of the Panama Canal. Um, had some good fun there, but obviously, well, anyway, life goes on. Yeah, young family, so like Vancouver. And um, so that kind of... Um, roving gypsy uh, exploration geo lifestyle kind of got a bit tiring to, to be to be honest and then um yeah went to the juniors had no experience whatsoever uh, but managed to find a close to a two billion ton um, iron deposit biggest in the western seacoast and um, sold that to a chinese group for uh, 100 million and in 2007 so made my well my shareholders a lot of money and unfortunately the mark but that, that was me new to the business and then I set up uh, Trevally Mining, um, which was um, basically focused on zinc and had took a long-term view, again, on the commodity of zinc and took that from one drill hole and built it into the 10th largest zinc company in the world. Um, and I really, you know, had got involved in New Pacific. I was quite happily quasi-retired uh, and, um, you know, talked to some of the guys. They had a new discovery on their hands uh, and really, you know, they were challenged at what do we do next? Okay, we've we, we've kind of got a tail of this tiger here. And, and you know, what happens next? Uh, and I would say my forte is, um, you know, bridging that gap or probably from discovery right the way through to production. And um, so the remit from the board was, um, you know, build a team who can take this to the end level. And um, personally, I don't think we'll get to do that. I think it's too big, but that, in a good way. And um, I think it's a fantastic looking project. And, and for me personally, it, it's very rare in your career. You get the opportunity to, to, you know, work on what I feel is going to be a tier one deposit. Um, and that was that was that was for me. It was just you know the ability to to build that team, add that value, and uh, work in a 
you know, a jurisdiction, I guess, you know, South America of deep, deep roots and we have very good relationships there and that I can bring something to the table and make things matter. See, that, that's interesting to me that, you know, like some companies, um, you know, don't have those skill sets in-house, obviously, and, you know, they're, they're a whole different set of problems. But to have those skill sets in-house and then kind of build it to a stage where it's too big for you guys to finance potentially or too, too big for you guys to, you know, um, it'll take too long, basically, for you to actually, you know, see it right through to the, to the, the end point. Your board has said, we are setting this up for some kind of M&A activity. That's your exit. This, this thing doesn't get built by your team. You're clear about that? No, no, I don't think so. I think that's my personal view. No, we, we can totally build it. I mean, we're funded. I mean, I guess when I say that, I think it, it, it's, I don't mean it's going to be too good for us. I, I think, um, listen, it's going to be a big open pit silver mine. Um, it definitely is going to be a mine, but I think it's going to be so large, it's going to move the needle. I think some corporate's going to come chat to us, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, you know, my job is to de-risk it, add value for shareholders, but um, I think it's going to be something special. And you know, listen, I, I'm a base metal guy, to be very, very honest about it. Um, but um, you know, silver space, which which is new to me, it, it's quite small. There's not many, you know, global. You know, if I step back and just being just being honest about it, is there's very few big silver projects, development projects out there. And this looks like it's one that would move the needle for the industry, not just for us. So that being said, I, I suspect there are going to be some discussions. And, and, you know, that's fine. That's the board's job. And my job, I'll just give advice and, and we'll go from there. But, um, you know, in between that, you know, oh, we've got the team. We can build it. Easy. That's not, not a problem. Um, but I don't think, well, ho- well, good or bad, it is going to be what it's going to be. Um, I, I suspect we will not get the opportunity to do that. But, you know, I'm a shareholder as well. Once it adds value, all good. So I, I expect we know the first two phone calls, don't we? Two existing shareholders. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, even I would say, you know, a lot more corporate interest, I guess, now that, you know, international travel is opening up and, you know, the world is what it is. And, you know, jurisdictions are in favor, out of favor, all the usual kind of ma- macro stuff. But um you know, I, I think as well, New Pacific, is, we're, we're not well, very well known. Um, and I guess that's part of the job. Um, Stacey, um, who you've been chatting to earlier, our VPIR, is, um, you know, listing on the New York Stock Exchange, getting her name out there, uh, pushing the, you know, the branding, um, to be to be very honest. Um, you know, I think uh, people are kind of going, oh, shit, we didn't know who you guys were. Uh, but I, 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 I was in the same boat, yeah. right? You're nearly 800 million market cap coming. No real... Yeah knowledge of who you were, what you did, and even less about Silver Sands, right? So uh, I mean, that's why I'm intrigued to get you, get you on here. I mean, okay, so there's a little bit of the thinking. We're not, never going to be able to cover everything off today, but I just want people to get a sense of you, your th- the thought process, and you know what, what the end goals are here, certainly in terms of exit strategy and about, you know, the value creation for shareholders. But um, talk to me about Silver Sands. I mean, what, what, what are we dealing with? What do we need to know? Yeah, I mean, the beauty about Silver Sands, and I would say Bolivia in general, is um, grossly underexplored. Um, so it really is traditional boots and hammer geology. You can walk across stuff on the ground that no one's ever drilled before and discover what, you know, we well, what is a very significant deposit or bigger so Silver Sand, just going a bit, bit into the corporate history, was it was acquired mid-17. Uh, six months later, uh, December of 2017, was the discovery hole. Um, and really, it was looking for that non-traditional Bolivian, you know, kind of narrow high grade. It was just kind of taking a bigger picture and looking for that macro bulk tonnage target. Uh, and there's multiple of ones of those in, in Bolivia. 
So fast forward over, you know, 18, 19, um, 100,000 meters, 400 holes, the biggest greenfields exploration program in South America that no one's ever heard of, you know, but, um, and that culminated in the resource estimate in Q1 of 2020. And that is, you know, close to, um, you know, 156 million ounces um, measured and indicated starting at surface and another 35 million ounces inferred and it's silver only. And for me is, you know, an exploration geo and, you know, obviously a bit more, I guess. So, you know, uh, over the over the following years is we haven't found the feeder zones for this yet so we're already you know upper quartile for the deposit type globally uh, biggest discovery in Bolivia in the last 30 years and, and the biggest discovery uh, well one of the bigger discoveries um you know in the last decade in, in South America and um like I said rigs are turning and we're going to find more I think it's just how much more we find um but but the nice thing as well is the, there are other silver sands to discover out in Bolivia and that's what we're chasing as well. So, um, you know, we're certainly not going to be a one-trick pony, I guess. Okay, good. That's where, that's where we're going next, actually, because, you know, you talk about doing a PEA uh, resource expansion, right, and you're trying to find other silver sands, et cetera. How, how do you deploy your capital? Because you've got a single country jurisdictional risk, you've got a single asset risk, and there's going to be people who are, you know, comfortable with South America and other, others not. I mean, so how are you approaching the risk or de-risking component? Yeah, listen, internally, the uh, the corporate view is, um, you know, Bolivia, like I said, grossly underexplored. You've got these major discoveries in the last 20 years, whether it's Peru or Chile, and to a lesser extent, Argentina. And geology doesn't stop at the borders. Um, but really, you know, it feels to us and, you know, it feels like Peru in the mid 90s before it opened up or maybe Ecuador more recently. And we're actually starting to see more micro juniors enter the country now. And um, just with, with the, you know, Peru becoming less uh, investor friendly or, or Chile talking about tax hikes, you know, revenue, et cetera. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're effectively doubling down. So at this point in time, you know, 90% of the focus on Silver Sand, our flagship, which it should be. Um, but um, the beauty is we've got a dedicated project generation team and we're just going through the old um, historic mining districts and looking where, you know, we believe there's, you know, deep structures there that has the potential to form large deposits and staking them, acquiring them and, you know, giving them some, you know, uh, well, I guess initial drill tests. And I think a good example of that is a recent uh, gas project. So we acquired it in April of this year. Uh, fully well permitted for phase one exploration, including community sign off by June, which you know is very different from all the adjacent countries. So permitting is very streamlined in, in Bolivia, based on our experience. And um, you know, initial three thousand meter uh, discovery campaign, and um, got our first two holes out a couple of days ago. And uh, starting from surface, you know, we're talking about um, you know close to two hundred meters at one hundred grams per ton silver. So you know. We'll see how it goes. Um, it is early days. We need assays back. But, um, you know, yeah, I think there's a lot more um, precious metal to be found and we're going to be the company to do it. Okay, so you're, doubl you're doubling down on, on Bolivia because the prospectivity is hard to ignore. But you, do you know what I mean? It's like it, when, when companies come on here and they say, we are going to double down on Australia, forget the country risk, it's because it's Fraser Institute, number one ranked. Canada, Fraser Institute, number one, you know, everyone's ranked number one. So that's going to make some investors feel comfortable. You're saying there's enough institutional interest in what you're doing and there's enough interest in 
well, possibly retail um, in, in what you're doing, that the Bolivia factor for you is not something that you need to address. No, listen, when we think about it, we talk to, you know, the Minister of Mines and, you know, the, the all the time um, open dialogue. But, um, you know, what's interesting is about a year ago, yeah, presidential elections, new president in, overwhelming majority. And um, certainly one of uh, their kind of key uh, messages then pre-election that's continuing is they need foreign investment in the economy it's a small country in all sectors and um, so certainly that hasn't changed and you know we are the largest development project in country and um, so certainly the discussions are you know what can we do to facilitate that you know go decision for for a mine and just explaining this we need to go through our various engineering studies and that's fine and they understand that but it's what can we do to help and i think you know you know, stepping back that that's, you know, the internal house view, let's, let's put it that way, which, which it is what it is, and that's fine. But um, look at our large shareholders. I mean, Pan American, the world's largest silver producer, owns 10% of the company. They've been operating in Bolivia since 1995. So, um, you know, yeah, that kind of, and they, they were initial shareholder uh, of the company in 2017 and have maintained their position throughout. And we've got Silvercorp Metals, um, again, another very large silver producer, so um, certainly the industry insiders, you know, quote unquote, um, have backed the company, backed the team, backed the project. So I think that's probably, a, you know, it's not just a you know, New Pacific's view. It's a very large global silver producers view as well. Yeah, no, I understand that. But you also need liquidity in your stock. So therefore, you need people to be trading in and out of, out of this thing, right? You know, of course, there's, there's risk everywhere and, and opportunity everywhere. You know, people can operate in the DRC and make a lot of... A lot of cash, but you know the public don't like it so much, right? So, so I'm just wondering how you manage that message. I, I mean, I know talking to me today and telling me Bolivia is a great place to do business, possibly better than some of the countries around us, is a start. But is it a case if you've got so much money that you're you're able to get to where you need to be without being too concerned, overly concerned about market sentiment about single country risk, in this case specifically South America, Bolivia? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I work for all shareholders, not just whatever, and, you know, being one myself. But, um, you know, I think it's stepping back. It's just a very experienced management team and a board and saying, listen, you know, we've been here, we've done this before, we've worked globally and built multiple mines. And um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, based on our experience that, you know, we feel this is a good jurisdiction to be in. And we think it's going to change. We think it's going to open up if anything else. And, you know, that that's where some of that value is. I fully understand for some shareholders, entry levels, that, that's their decision. Not, not an issue in that one. Um, but, um, you know, what we're seeing is, and what's interesting, probably in the last year, the discussions changed from, you know, I guess that global macro political risk to, um, okay, tell me about Bolivia. So certainly there is a sentiment change uh, flowing through. And, um, you know, I would say in our register, probably some of the larger global, you know, institutional shareholders are also shareholders as well. So, you know, these are, you know, funds that are looking at deep value and long-term value creation. So, you know, in the end of the day, all we can do is de-risk the project technically, socially, et cetera. Um, you know, obviously we put the news out there and at the end of the day, um, you know, shareholders need, may need to make up their own decision. Well, you know, that that's, you know, and we're quite happy with that, but, um, you know, mining, you know, our view is it's a longer term game. 
But we, um, you know, we've got ourselves our hands around something, you know, very unique, very special, um, a very large and um, brand new discovery, which doesn't happen every day. And it's going to get bigger and we feel it's going to get better. Right. So for new, new, share, new potential new shareholders looking at you today, they're going to want to hear something about a growth story. OK, so 2019, great year. 2020, great year. You come off a bit. So you, are you going to say that uh, this is a great price to be getting in at? Uh, uh, but I, I suspect you will. But where's the growth coming from? Because you're going to be 90% on Silver Sand. You've got other, you've got teams out hunting for other projects. It's great prospectivity. Tell me what that looks like in a year's time. Tell me what that looks like in two years' time. It's, it's a yeah, long no, game. For sure. Listen, the share price, listen, we're all adults. People make up their own decision. What I will tell you is what we're doing, where the risks are and where the opportunities are. So that's fine with me. And so, you know, end of the day, sophisticated shareholders, make your own decision, you know. But really, what we do have is a, a very large, brand new silver discovery. Um, you know, we'll have our preliminary economic assessment out in Q1 of next year. It looks like, well, it will be an open pit. So that's lower cost, lower, um, you know, uh, health, well, safety risk. Um, it is going to be a heat bleach. So again, fundamentally, um, you know, looks looks very attractive and it's still open. Um, you know, a bit early to call it a tier one deposit yet. You know, personally, I think as, as an exploration geologist, uh, and, you know, a lot of experience looking at these things, and that's why I joined the company, it, it will be coming to tier one. You know, the fact that we've got 200 million ounces sitting there in a distal part of the system, we haven't found the feeder zones, et cetera, and tells us it's going to get bigger. And then on top of that, we've got a, an exploration joint venture with Kamibol, this, the Bolivian state mining company, for the adjacent ground. So we've got a 60-kilometer swath to explore, which last time someone explored that was the 1830s with a hammer. Uh, that was really it in the colonial mining times. So there's very few places in the world where they want foreign investment, they want investment in their mining industry, and we've got a brand new discovery and, you know, a, what looks like a brand new emergent you know, district. Then on top of that, you know, we're looking for other opportunities in Bolivia. And it, it's, it's, I don't want to use, well, I'm going to use the term shooting fish in a barrel, but it is, it, it's certainly professionally, you know, it, it's very few times you can do, you can walk across the ground, look at these historic mining districts, massively de-risk because, you know, it's mineralized, they mined it. And then just look at the fundamental underpinnings and go, listen, hey, do we think there's a big one here? So it's um, it's it's very exciting. It's awesome. And at the end of the day, results speak. You know, I can I can you know chat as much as you want, but you know, look what's coming out of the drill holes. And um, numbers are numbers. And um, you know, the government is um, you know lowering taxes, helping things come in for VAT, for example, and heavy equipment. Unlike the other countries who are increasing taxes and, you know, very welcoming in, in all sectors. So, you know, it will change and, you know, people will take an opinion on that and that's that's up to them. That's great. Okay. So, you, so drilling so far, you put out some nice numbers, et cetera. The, the PEA is the first stake in the sands, right? So you, you've got to, in your mind, have a number that you're aiming to put out to the market and say, let me give you an idea of the scale and potential of this thing. So timing is obviously set back a bit on on that but what's your intent with that do you just i mean you you obviously got money to be doing as much drilling as you want but what's your intent in terms of the type of number that you'd love to declare to the market i would say you know given that both management board were very experienced uh, mind finders and mind builders it is going to be a conservative number because in the end of the day we own it so you know we're not kind of dressing something up for sale or what have you because you know you know well 
when the buck stops, I'm the guy left with it. So it's not going to help me. So I would say it's going to be conservative. Um, but really, you know, what, what we're looking at is, or what the potential opportunity is, a relatively low CapEx opportunity for what could be a global, you know, top 10, top 20 silver, silver mine. Um, you know, it's sticking out of the ground. Uh, the metallurgy, because it's silver only in a, an inert host unit, is um, actually very favorable. So gut feel, you know, it's probably going to be an 8 to 10 million ounce producer uh, at probably low cost silver, um, not silver equivalent, et cetera, et cetera. So it will move the needle for any major silver company. Okay. So can you just talk to me about that? Because you, you talk about low cost. Where, where's that come from? The fact that obviously there's a bit of scale to it. It's it's low grade, but it's it's yep. the processing is easy. Is that what you're saying? That you've, I know you've looked at the metallurgy, but in terms of, is there any different there's nothing unique about what you're proposing to do it's just low-grade bulk tonnage processing yeah i mean what the yeah the the from an operational viewpoint you know it's sticking out of the ground or you know so the final strip ratio is less than four to one but in fairness the first couple of years and that will be you know built out in the pea study it's probably going to be zero to one there'll be very high grade starter pits um and because it's it's sandstone hosted so it's an inert host unit so really, once you put your reagents on it, the only thing you're recovering is silver. So it's going to be a very high recovery, quick um, reaction time in, in the scheme of things. So it should lend itself to a low-cost, safe operation. And um, that's, they're the ones you want with a long life of mine. So it's just kind of, it, you know, it, it looks yeah, quite attractive at this point in time. Right. So this next question might, might appear a little, a, bit, a little bit silly, given that you're nearly 800 million market cap. It's like you, you come from a big company used to doing things the right way in the right order with the budgets to do it. What's it been like for you sort of down at this end, junior mining space, having to try and look at the geology and say, this is the best way to come at it and also deal with the market? I'm imagine not being short on advice uh, for you the whole way through. The board has been awesome. I mean, listen, when I joined, I kind of went down, had a gap analysis, said this is how I'd approach it. You know, not not pitch the board. I wasn't looking for a job, and um, to be honest, and um, they, they they liked the vision, and, and really it was um, you know basically a green light as you know Mark build a team. Who do you need? And um, what do you need? And and to be well, anyway, to be blunt, um, technically it doesn't worry me. It's it's going to be quite simple. You know, open pit you know, we'll process flow sheet. So it's going to be what it's going to be. And the data is going to tell us, you know, what's the best way to do that. But one of the big, well, perceived potential risks was, was the social side. So really what I have done or what we have done is, you know, we've got a dedicated VP uh, sustainability, ex Rio Tinto, 14 years experience in Bolivia, fluent Spanish speaker. So we've built out that, you know, CSR team, sustainability team, and depending what, you know, terms you want to use. And fluent Quechuan speakers working with the local communities. And I think, you know, what, what's happening in the background is um, rolling out those deep um, capacity building programs, because at the end of the day, our communities are going to be our best. Um, well, they are our best advocates in country. And so, you know, for me, um, you know, you just want to leave it better than you found it, um, to be honest. And um, yes, you know, you, you'll make money on the way. And that, that, that's great. That's that stuff you do. And that, that's fine. But um, fundamentally, this is going to be a long-term life of mine. And, um, you know, I think we will make a real positive impact, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's never easy. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but, um, you know, we've been there, we've done that. We've got global experience uh, working in the, you know, developing nations with brand new discoveries uh, and it's always different and you, you tweak things, but um, it's just working with the local communities, 
being honest about it, understanding the culture and saying, hey, this is what we want to do. What do you want us to do? And working together. And, and you're, you're, you know, if you do that with a partnership, you're going to be successful. I like that phrase. That's a phrase that's beaten into me as a child. Sometimes literally leave it better than you found it. Maybe it's an Irish thing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like, um, I, I, like, I think that's a very good first kind of romp through. It's nice to meet you as well. Romp through um, what you're up to in Bolivia, your thinking, what the potential is. Um, I mean, what, so we need a growth story. I think you've outlined it there. Just do you want to, in summary, give us those, you think, the three most important points? Not the kind of generic where we've got infrastructure type stuff, but actually genuinely what's unique to you? What are the three things that are unique to your company? Yeah, listen, we're not recycling an old deposit just because commodity prices are high, low, whatever. It's a brand new discovery. It's in a jurisdiction that's probably been unloved for various reasons for the last 20 years. And we've got very large corporate shareholders, actually, you know, the largest silver producer in the world. Um, And rigs are turning and we're finding more. And in fact, we think we may have a brand new discovery on top of that. So I would say our story is only getting started and we're going to grow from here. And that's the value proposition. And, you know, we have all over good days and bad days, but um, a very experienced management team. And, you know, we're all shareholders ourselves. So we're fully aligned. Brilliant, Mark. Appreciate your time today. Uh, Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. I'd be delighted to take that phone call. Will do. Listen, great chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.